well, one of the joys of being able to stand up in front of the church is to be able to share truth every week. And so, it is wonderful to be able to stand up here and say, God loves you. Isn't that a great thing that we can say to one another? Don't just have to be at the front, but we get to say, God loves you. He has redeemed you. He bought you back at such a great price that he sent his son to die for you. He loves you. And we, we see that we have been given hope now in life and in death because of that great gift that he has given us, Jesus Christ. We have hope in life and death. It's a sure hope. We don't have to doubt it, but we do sometimes, don't we? But we have this great hope in life and in death. In death, we know we're going to go and be with the Father. We know we're going to go and be worshipping Jesus for a whole eternity. And in the here and now, we get to look forward to that. But also, we get a reason to be here, a purpose. In whatever situation we're in, we're given a God-given purpose to be his witnesses. We saw that in Acts 1, didn't we, last week, that, that um, we are his witnesses to the whole world. The message is to go out, and he uses us. What an amazing purpose. Whatever job you're doing, whatever community you're in, whatever situation you're in, and you're thinking, I don't know what I'm doing with life, know one thing, you are a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ to go and share the good news with those around you. What a great hope we have in life and death. What a great purpose we have as his witnesses. And here at Oikos, we kind of want to um, take some time over this next few weeks to kind of um, encourage us and excite us as a church of what the mission that we have been given of God is. What mission he has given us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is what we kind of word our mission as, is to increasingly be living all of life, loving God, loving others, and telling others about Jesus, all for the glory of God. And we want to do it for the good of his city here in Birmingham. Now, most churches will have a similar mission. We hope so, because that's the God-given mission that we have. But we have to work out, what does that mean for us as Oikos Church in 2023, living in Erdington, living in certain Coalfield, in the areas around? What does that mean for us? How can we help each other live that mission out? How can we best do that? And this mini-sermon series is, that we started last week is all about how we feel as a church, as elders, me, Andy, and Kenny, and others in the church have felt since we started the churches, how we feel that we can live this best out as our identity in Christ. We're going to be talking um, in, the, in the coming weeks about doing a little bit, but it all has to come from our being, who we are and who our identity is, knowing that we are loved more than you can ever imagine. We've got to know that. We've got to remember that. We've got to keep that in our hearts, that we are loved by Jesus more than you could ever imagine. And as we talk about a little bit about doing in the future, we can't forget that we are all spirit-filled if we've come to know Jesus. We've all been given the Spirit. We have uh, the opportunity to be led by the Spirit. That means to obey him as we see the early disciples in Acts 2, 42 to 47. We get to... Um, live out a life that is not just about coming on a Sunday and enjoying our time together, which is wonderful and beautiful to come together and be equipped and to celebrate and to worship. Brilliant. And I love that. But if we stop there, I don't think we are fulfilling what the call is for every believer. 
We want to set ourselves up as a church. We want to make sure we're empowering everybody sat on these chairs today and anyone who comes through those doors that loves Jesus to go out on the mission of God and to do that in a way that comes from knowing they are more loved than they could ever imagine. So that's our heart, and that's why we're kind of going through what we're going through. And so it'd be great if we can just turn very quickly to Acts 2, 42 to 47. And that is on page one. Sorry, I heard about five people. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm there. We're not staying here, but this is kind of like our launch pad um, for this series. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amazing, isn't it? What, what wonderful words and how exciting it is to see the early church functioning. They'd, been given the, they'd waited for the Holy Spirit. They'd been promised it. They waited. They received it. And then, as they were obedient to the Spirit, this is how they lived their lives. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. I get it. And it's not prescriptive that we must do this. But isn't it attractive? Isn't it a wonderful way to strive to think how we could live? And last week we looked at, um, I'm going to, um, we looked at, um, we looked at eight ways, eight or nine ways, I've put them into eight ways, in which we see this church, the early church, was a healthy church and how, how they were living as a community. They were devoted to the word of God and we're going to spend some time looking at that today. They were devoted to one another, to the breaking of bread to prayer, to generosity, to living their faith out in the everyday and it being attractive. They were sincere in their hearts. Beautiful, isn't it? And they were daily evangelizing, seeing many come to, to know Jesus. And so that has been at the heart of when the church started 13 years ago, of what we looked at and what we wanted to shape and be shaped by. The gospel, first and foremost, but attracted to how the early church were living. And so our vision for the church, how do we live out our mission best as a church? And we believe in our context in 2023, here in our community, we believe that we want to see multiplying gospel communities to, um, so that every person in Birmingham hears the gospel and sees it lived out through us living as a family of missionary servants who make disciples, who make disciples. Now that sounds like a bit of a mouthful, but just very quickly to unpack that, if we've received the Spirit of God and we believe in Jesus, that means that we are family. God is our Father. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So we believe that being family and living in small groups together is a powerful and wonderful way to show the gospel. 
We want to be missionaries. We've been given that God-given mission to go and tell other people about Jesus. And we believe that being on mission together as a group of people is a powerful and wonderful way of doing that. We want to be servants just like Jesus put himself last. We want to be servants to all, don't we? And we want to be disciple makers. That means we want to see people come to faith, but then we want to walk alongside them, um, one another, in close, intimate relationships, encouraging one another in the word of God, iron sharpening iron. So we believe that if we see gospel communities like we have four at the moment, and we want to grow the number of gospel communities we have, we want every single person that wants to, that is in this church, to come and be part of one if you're not already. To live life, not just on a Sunday morning, to live the whole of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, encouraging one another as we go on the mission of God. We believe firmly that's how we will see people saved, how we have seen people come to faith. The Lord has used that. And so I want to excite you over these next few weeks that, that this is a great way for us to live. But also I want us to look at what does it mean to be a healthy gospel community group? Those eight attributes that we see the early church expressing, we need those things to be first and foremost. If we're going to keep Christ at the hub, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as the most important thing to us, and we want to be healthy Christians, people that love Jesus more and more, then we need to be looking at those eight healthy attributes and thinking, how can I add these or make sure that I'm um, pursuing these things to ensure that Christ stays the center? Does that make sense? I hope it does. It did in my head. Let's see. How many emails I'll get? That was. Um, sorry, that was, that was part one of my introduction. I've gone for quite a while. Sorry, I should look at my notes, shouldn't I? Um, but you're asked the question, what shapes your life um, during the break, weren't you? What, what shapes your life? What are the influences or the people that have influenced your life? And friends, probably, philosophies, science, media, the past, maybe the future Things that are going to happen can shape us, can't they? You see, what, what we really believe is the thing that shapes us most. What we really believe in our hearts is what shapes us, and then our behaviours come from that. So, what influences us will end up shaping us. Whatever we put into us will end up how we think and how we act. Well, I want us as a church to keep Jesus Christ at the centre. And we're in a culture in our post-Christian society where believing in Jesus is one thing, but believing Jesus in the Bible and the Word of God is the ultimate authority isn't particularly well-liked. Everyone wants to have their own truth, and so having an ultimate truth is not acceptable. You can't tell me how to live. All those sorts of things is the culture that we live in. And so if we're going to try and live within our culture, we need to have gospel lenses on. We need to take our worldly spectacles off and put our gospel lenses on so we can see the world for what it is and make sure that we keep Jesus at the center, the gospel of Jesus Christ at the center of our lives. And one way that we do that is through being shaped by God's word. Our church, our gospel community groups, each of us have to be, first and foremost, shaped by the word of God. It's interesting that in Jesus' time, um, children up to the age of 11, those that were, were able to go to school, were taught the Torah. That's it. 
their whole lives were shaped by the Old Testament scriptures. And it's one reason why people from a Muslim background probably laugh at Christians is because not many Christians that say they're Christians know the Bible or are shaped necessarily by it. Now, obviously, we, we don't agree with um, what Muslims would believe. But there is something about making sure that we're shaped by what we do say we believe that is important. So, fast forward a little bit. Where do I want us to get? Where do I want us to get to? Well, by the end of our time today, I want us to be thinking, I get to read God's word, not that I have to or should read God's word. So if I get to that point and you feel I should read it, I've done something wrong. I want us to be excited about I get to read God's word. I get it to shape my life. And I'm going to give you some reasons as why, three or four reasons as to why we can build our life on the word of God and why as a gospel community groups and as a church, we need to build our lives and shape our lives around the word of God because it's going to help us keep Jesus Christ at the center. It's going to help us see the world through the eyes of the Bible. It's going to help us reach the lost. It's going to help us love God more and love others more. So, we're going to just quickly look at Psalm 1 um, as a starting point for us. So it's on the, on the screen. Hopefully, you can see it. Um, bad colors that I've chosen. If not, someone shout out where Psalm, Psalm 1 is in the Bible, please. Clearly. and Brilliant. 543. Fantastic. So, in Psalm 1, what we see is the difference between two groups of people, and how they would interact with God's word. See the difference with how two different people would interact with God's word. So let's read this together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his Lord, uh, Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked leads to destruction. We have the blessed or the righteous person. And what does he do? He delights in the word of God, the law of God. He delights in it and he meditates in it. And this idea of meditation um, is like um, if, about chewing the cud. So you think about a cow, eats some grass and stuff, and then he will use, is it seven stomachs? I've not counted. Four, just the four. Okay, I've given them an extra three. Um, four stomachs. Chew the grass first of all, go in the first stomach to get as much nutrients as that can get out. Then it will pass into the next one to get as much nutrients as that can get out. And until the end, there ain't anything else to get out of it, much to get out of it. And so this idea of meditating on Scripture, this idea of chewing it over, over and over. A verse has just an infinite amount of nutrients in it for us. If we were to meditate on it. Take our time over it. And if I don't know about me, I'm like quantity sometimes rather than quality. I want to get through the Bible in a year. Got to do it. 
But there's something about this, uh, about the righteous person, the blessed person, just chewing it over again and again for as much nourishment as possible. That's really, it's okay to do a verse over a week or even longer. How beautiful would that be? Just meditating on it, thinking, I don't know what, don't necessarily know what it's saying to me yet. But in a week's time, after meditating and chewing it over, letting it pass through one of your four stomachs or whatever, um, more is going to come out of it. And I probably need to stop the metaphor there because more will probably come out of it. Anyway, um, but you get, you get the idea. Whereas we see the, the wicked, the foolish, seeks truth outside of God. Doesn't acknowledge God's truth. And instead, instead takes information from outside sources, unhelpful sources. And what happens? He ultimately perishes. So today, I just want to, um, I'll try and do this, oh my word, it's 11.48 already. I'll do this as I can, as the Lord leads. Reasons to build our life upon the word of God, because we, we all build our lives on something, and I want it to be built on the word of God, and I want to just show to you why we should build our lives on the word of God, and why we can trust it, why we can let it shape us, because of its authority first and foremost. Who's its source? Is the author of creation. And if he made you, he has authority over you, and his word, he's spoken to us through his word, and so it has authority. And it means, the authority of scripture means that all the words of scripture are God's in such a way that to disbelieve or to disobey them is to disbelieve or disobey God. Yeah, and we don't like the word authority in our culture today, do we? It's not thought of very well. But we have the authority. The authority comes from the creator of the world who's made himself known to us in a wonderful uh, scripture that is, that is his word breathed. Paul says that in, to Timothy, doesn't it? It's God's word breathed. Graphe. Scripture, that's, that word is used to refer to the Old Testament scriptures. It's not used of God speaking in any other way. He has spoken to us through his Scriptures through his words. Paul says to Titus, he doesn't lie. His word is authority and it's true and he doesn't lie. How many people in authority do we know that are true and do not lie? God is true and he does not lie. Thinking about this, that there's so many textbooks that you can get and at the time they're written, the person that's written them thinks that they're writing the truth. Then 20 years later, someone else comes back and writes something and realizes that what he's written isn't true because things have changed. They've learned more stuff. Textbooks are opinion, truth to a degree at that time, but that truth potentially changes. God's word never changes. His truth can never change. Think about newspapers. If anyone picks up, I don't know if I pick up a newspaper today because I, my first thought is I do not believe what is written here. That's my, I'll be honest with you, that's how I feel when I read a newspaper. It cannot be trusted. It doesn't have the authority that can be trusted. God's word can be trusted. Jesus talks about God's word being truthful in John 17, 17, as he prays for his disciples. He says, um, praise the Father, he says, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. It can change us. It can change you. The word is so truthful that through his spirit, it changes us. It's powerful to change you. You want to become more like Jesus. How do we do that? Pick up the Bible and read it. 
spend time in it, meditate on it, chew the cud. People have died to keep it for us as it is. William Tyndale, many of you will know, English scholar and priest who translated the New Testament of the Bible into English in 1525. He had to go into hiding to do it. And then he was discovered. He was um, killed in a small town in Belgium, executed for what he'd done. But because of what he did, he wanted to translate it into English so that it didn't, wasn't just priests that were able to tell you what the, what the words said. It was everyone, what he wanted everyone to have one in their home. It took a while, but it got there. Because he knew it was true. He knew it was worth standing on and dying for. The word of God has authority, but also the word of God. The word of God. Um, to, uh, clarity. Clarity. The word of God is clear. It's able to be understood by anyone who reads it by seeking God's help and being willing to follow it. It is able to be understood. Do you think, what does, um, what does uh, God say to Moses to tell Israel? He says, um, tell your children, press on their hearts when you sit at home, when you lie down, and when you get up. Children can understand it. But I know if you're anything like me, sometimes I come to the Word of God and think, oh, I don't know what this is saying. What is it saying? Help me, Lord. There's, a, there's, an e, there's some... Uh, clarity to it that we can, we can read it, anyone can read it, of any ability. But also there's so much depth to it that we need to chew it over, we need to meditate on it, we need to take our time to see what the Lord is saying. And with his help, and get this, and if we're willing to follow it, if there's obedience for us to actually follow what the word says, it becomes real to us and true to us, and we act upon what it says. We understand it more. If it just becomes head knowledge, we don't put it into practice. We don't apply it to our lives. I think that we lose a clarity of what Scripture is actually trying to say to us. Lack of clarity can come from, though, not understanding it, not being familiar with it, not taking time to read it, not having our hearts right as we come to it. But I want to encourage us that there are people in this room that want to sit with you and read the Bible, if that's you. If you're if you're not sure of what the Bible's saying, or you just need help to, to read part of it, there are people in this room that would love to do it. And within your gospel community group, join a gospel community group, and there are people there that would love to sit with you and read the word and chew the code with you. What great conversations can be had over, over food, over a drink, over just some family time in your gospel community groups of just working through a piece of scripture and helping one another and, and actually chewing the cud, each of you chewing the cud, and then you get more and more information out of it, more, more and more um, truth from it to help you live your lives fruitfully for Jesus. We can build our life on, on the word of God because it has authority, it's clear, but also it gives joy. It brings reading through 1 Thessalonians and what's apparent there is the church in Thessalonica received the word under such difficulty and affliction and yet Paul says you've received it with much joy the Holy Spirit 
No matter what circumstance goes on in your life, no matter what happens, we can build our life on the word of God and it will bring us joy in the most difficult of circumstances. He will sustain you. I don't know about you, I want to be joyful. I want to have joy in my life. Who hands up who wants to be joyful and wants to have joy in their life? Come on, Brits, we can do it as well. We want to be joyful. We may not hold it on our faces, but we want to be joyful really deep down. A joy that is, um, no matter what happens, that we're able to have that inexpressible joy that comes because we're shaped by God's word, because we know it's true. We know his promises that maybe the, the, the good times and the, the enjoyment isn't happening in our lives, but we know that at one day that this world will come to an end and we'll go to be with Jesus, and we know that that promise is true. And that gives us joy in the here and now. Um, I'm just going to throw it my main point, let me do this quickly, um, is that the, we can build our life on the word of God because it's necessary and Necessary and sufficient. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word of God is necessary for us to know the gospel and to maintain our spiritual life. Paul says in Romans 10, how, how will they hear unless we preach it, the good news to them? Now, we can know God through creation. No one is without excuse. We know that too. We know that everyone, anyone can know God through creation, but we don't know what it means to... To, to have a relationship with him apart from his word. And so if I'm in the word once a month, once every three months, once every two weeks, I'm not really building a relationship or getting to know how God loves me. It's not a very loving relationship on my part, is it, to be like, but it's loving God, but I'm not going to turn to you. It is necessary for us to know what it means how to live a life that brings glory to him. Necessary for us to know how much God loves us. But it's also sufficient for salvation. People need to hear the gospel to know the gospel. It's sufficient and necessary to maintain our spiritual life. Just thinking about how Israel in the wilderness for 40 years received manna from heaven every single day. And our manna from heaven is the bread of life, is man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And, and if we have this, sometimes it feels like maybe, and this has been times in my life it's been like this, is that I'll have the manna on a Sunday, and then I'll try and keep that same manna for the next seven days. And what happens to manna? Goes stale, goes off, doesn't it? Perishes. And so we have a choice. We can, we can be shaped by, we can live off the fumes of a Sunday for the rest of the week, eating stale bread, or we can have fresh bread every single day. As often as you like, as soon as you turn to it. Like, that excites me, because I'm one of these guys, I love an all-you-can-eat buffet. That's kind of like where I feel I'm getting my money's worth if I get to go and get an all-you-can-eat buffet, of food from around the world. So this is a good deal, isn't it? We can read this each and every single day and get fed an all-you-can-eat buffet as often as we like. Well, can I ask you, what is the loudest voice in your life? Is there anything you need to do to help you make 
God's voice, the loudest voice in your life. And we help one another with that. Because we want God's voice to be the loudest voice, his gospel to be the thing that's at the center of our hearts. And we need to help one another in achieving that. So something, again, I'm going to do this. Sorry if we go over time, but I do want to do this. Is that um, Has a word of scripture spoken to you directly recently? There's something beautiful about, um, on the WhatsApp group that we have for our gospel community, there's um, every so often someone will put a piece of scripture that has really spoken to them that day or in that week. And then it encourages the whole of the group as they read that to think, oh, man, the Lord has been speaking isn't that amazing? So I just want to encourage us. Has the word the Lord been speaking directly to you in some way? And I know to me he has. I'll just share with you. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, 9 to 12 is something that's been on my heart for the last 18 months since I became pastor here. And I love being pastor here. And I think it's like the best job in the world. And I absolutely love it. But there have been times where I have felt out of my depth regularly. And this verse even this, this past week, has spoken to me, and I come back to it every single week. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, that Christ's power may rest on me. That has been a source of encouragement every single week over this last 18 months or so. And so I'd love just to leave some space just for a few minutes before we finish. Any other words that you've received as you've been in the Word this week that you thought, and I want to share this. Let's have some space, just a few minutes now. Feel free. And if there's awkward silence, that's fine. No, I hate awkward silences, but that's absolutely fine. Share some scripture today. We could probably, I mean, there's quite a lot more of the Bible that we could share, isn't there? But what a great place to start. I've written those out, and I'll, I'll send them on our weekly email. And maybe just pick one and chew the cud this week over that. How is the Lord speaking to you through his word? And, and just very quickly to, to finish with is we go back to Psalm 1, and we, we see that what does the, what, what does the life of the two people look like? One who bases it on delighting and meditating on God's word, the righteous, and then the foolish and the wicked who take counsel from um, sinners and mockers. What do we see very quickly? The blessed one has a fruitful life. His leaf does not wither. That means his life is nourished over and over and over again. And in and out of season, no matter what's going on, no matter what the circumstances are, bears fruit. I think that there's... Even when during dry times, we know that our roots are so firmly planted and so deep on God's word that even when things are hard and difficult, he who meditates and delights on God's law um, still bears fruit. Not so the wicked. They have a fruit, fruitless life, worthless, and they will perish. So guys, I hope that you recognize just the we get to be 
God's word. It's authority. It's authoritative. It's clear. It's where joy, where you find joy. And it's sufficient and necessary. So I just want to encourage us just to be thinking about in our gospel community groups, or even if you're going to join with, but if you're in one specifically this week, how, how can you help one another be shaped by God's word? How can we um, just be equipping one another for every good work? How can we get around his word, and how can we encourage one another to do that in our DNA groups, our Discover, Nurture, Act groups? How can we make sure that the word is at the center of those groups, our three men or three women together, and if you want to be part of one, Please find some people to read the Bible with and have, um, they're like our um, uh, just iron sharpens iron groups where people just get into the word and have it impact on their lives. In our GC Bible studies, how do we wrestle with scripture together there and encourage one another in that? How do we look out for those that might be struggling to get into the word? How do we help them and, and encourage them in that? And so just some questions just for you to take, I'll send these out to GCs for this week, but questions that I wanted us to chat about. We don't have time now, but do you delight in his words? What's your pattern of reading scripture daily or weekly? What help do you need? Do you need to come and see someone and say, please help me get into the word? No, like, please, that's a, what a great question to ask. How does the authority, clarity, and sufficiency of scripture speak to you? Are you relying on it in your life? How can we help each other live this out within our community? Take a picture. I'll email them out as well. But worth chewing the cud over those things. Um, we're just going to stand and finish by singing. Um, I'm not going to play guitar because it's completely out of tune. So we're just going to do acapella, acapoco, acapella, however you say it. But if we stand together, we're just going to sing, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Seems fitting to close with that. I'll give us a note. <laughs>